We are in the greatest sermon ever delivered. We are continuing through Jesus, delivering the greatest sermon ever. He is laying out his ethic. This community that Jesus is forming, he is saying, here's who I want my people to be. And we are coming up on a passage that probably, arguably, is the most famous, the most quoted verse of non-Christians. This is non-Christians' favorite verse where Jesus comes and tells the church, judge not. Don't judge. So that survey was Barna. 90% of people view Christians as judgmental. The world looks at us and says, only God could judge me, like my man Pac said. Everybody else, leave me alone. How is this? How is this that Jesus tells his church, don't judge? That our very core, who we are as a people, if we're anything, we are a forgiven people that have escaped judgment and then we're known for being judgmental. How in the world does this happen? And I think, as you'll see, as we dive into this passage, a key to that is we have an improper view of ourselves. If we want to be not judgmental and be a gracious people, then we need to understand who we truly are. So as we dive into this passage, I think you'll see those kind of keys pop out. I'm going to parse up the passage a little bit, but let's begin. I'm going to read, and you could follow along. Judge not, and you will not be judged. Condemn not, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. As a pastor, you know, again, we talk about forgiveness. That's what we're known for. But I find it easier at times to just, you know, later some of the letters that Paul wrote I like talking about those and talking about the idea of forgiveness, talking about the idea of sanctification, the idea of justification. I like, everybody likes the idea of forgiveness, but man, Jesus really makes you deal with it. If you want to say you're a forgiven people, then go forgive. If you want to say you're a people that has experienced grace, are you a gracious person? I mean, that is different. You don't want to judge. You want to be one of those people that keeps a list of everybody's wrong and then you kind of have that list and you kind of stick it to them every time you get the chance. She's like, you can be that person, but be careful. The measure you use, I'm going to measure it to you. You want to be one of them judgmental people that makes people know that they're wrong every turn? That's fine. You want to keep that list? That's fine. My list is a lot longer than yours. So man, he lays it out there. My people, if you're gonna enter into my community, we're a people of grace and forgiveness. And how do we do that? Clearly, as a church as a whole, in some ways, I don't know that we're doing this very well. And like I said, I think if you wanna be that person, not just it says I prayed for forgiveness, but you are a forgiven person that forgives others, I think you need to have a proper understanding of yourself. And that's where Jesus kind of turns now in his sermon. He kind of began of, okay, how do we relate to God and view our relationship with him? And then the last, this kind of section ends with, okay, how do we treat others? But then he kind of ends with, how do we view and have a relationship and view ourselves? Because I think that will determine how we pour out to others. So he dives into that next. So follow along. 
he also told them a parable. Can a blind man lead a blind man? Will they not both fall into a pit? A disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone, when he is fully trained, will be like his teacher. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but you do not notice the log that is in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, brother, let me take the speck that is in your eye, when you yourself do not see the log that is in your own eye? You hypocrite. First, take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take out the speck that is in your brother's eye. You're talking about, okay, how do we properly see ourselves and gives a little bit of a warning out of the gate. It says, you're gonna be under, if you're going to understand truth, understand who you are, be careful who you're allowing to influence you and teach you to that end. Like, don't follow a blind guide. And he kind of almost presents this silly picture of blind guides. Ever think of, you ever see Robin Hood men in tights? There's the one blind guy when he's on the lookout. He's like, no one's coming, I think. You know, like, I mean, it's just this silly picture. But yet, we're doing that all the time. I mean, one, he gives that stern reminder, whoever you are exposing yourself to most, you will be like them. A disciple will be like his teacher. Whoever's influencing you most, you will be like them. And then ask yourself, Okay, is that a person that I want to be like? He said, they will lead you into a pit. If somebody's life is in a pit, just know as you expose yourself to them, you're going to have the same end. That's what I think all the time when it cracks me up is celebrities. You know, we watch their lives are a mess, but yet we all follow them, and they're the one most influencing us to help us understand the world and ourselves. I came across this we're not going to watch it because it's ridiculous. I came across this speech from Matthew McConaughey. You see the amount of views on there? Right about now, it's probably up to 2 million. 2 million people trying to understand themselves and understand how to be happy or following Matthew McConaughey. That dude can't find his shirt, and he's going to tell me how to find happiness. <laughs> That's an old joke, but it's still relevant. I, I stand by it. We laugh, but look, two million people. I'll guarantee some, somebody in here has seen that video. And we're watching that, and as if that isn't, we're not exposed to that. It's not shaping our view of ourselves. We're just allowing culture to do that and following blind guides. I love particularly, you know, we're close to Kent State. You know, so many people go to Kent State, kind of fall away from the church, and then when we want to make ourselves sound smart, we start quoting Nietzsche. You know, he's probably the most famous non-Christian philosopher ever. Somebody, apparently I'm pronouncing it wrong, it's Nietzsche, but not Nietzsche, I don't know, however you want to say it. But, do you know how his life ended? Do you know how, what the state he was when he died? Nietzsche, at the end of his life, went crazy. He literally lost his mind. I don't know, just from believing his own teachings, but yet... I mean, he will still be touted if you get on to Kent in the philosophy department of how to understand truth. The guy is a blind guide who has ended his life literally in a pit. But yet, that's who we're going to follow for truth. So be careful. Because you're going to develop your view of yourself from somebody. And whoever you influence yourself and spend most of your time with, you're going to be like them. It is unavoidable. And part of, I think, the reason Jesus gives us this caution because what we want to do is just run to what we want to hear. 
Jesus is going to say some hard things and has said some hard things here, but we want to just run to tell somebody, hey, you're a good person. No, proverb yourself, you're a good person. And we all just run to, hey, yeah, nobody's perfect, but you're a good person. Stop saying the nobody's perfect thing. I just hate that. That's why we all hide behind, you know, I'm a good person. Yeah, nobody's perfect. That wasn't in debate when I met you. It's not like, oh man, I wonder if this person's perfect. Can we all just agree? Yes, nobody's perfect. But yet we hide behind this as if like, yeah, nobody's perfect, but I'm, you know, I'm, I'm pretty close and a little better than most. Can we stop with that? Because the hard truth of the matter is, I said, if you want to be a gracious person, you need to understand who you truly are. Then Jesus lays it out for you. Who are you? Who are we? You hypocrite. You're a hypocrite. Welcome to Redemption Chapel. Grab a donut on the way out. That's intense. He lays it out. You need to understand, we all need to understand that we are hypocrites. The reason, if, I, if you walked in here and I asked, you know, most people, are you a hypocrite? I'm sure most of you would have said no. Not me, man. I'm not a hypocrite. I'm not too fake, man. I'll keep it real. That's me. I... What we're mostly thinking of is blatant hypocrisy. You know, like you think of the politician who's like, I'm going to clean up these streets. I'm going to be tough on crime. And then you find out he's got like a drug ring. He's run out of his basement. You're like, what a hypocrite. That's blatant hypocrisy. That's not what's happening here, is it? Did you notice the person with the log and the speck? What did he say? When you yourself do not see the log in your own eye. I think all of us are hypocrites. I think most of the time we are ignorant hypocrites. We're ignorant of our own hypocrisy. We want to believe we're a good person so much, and that actually gets to the point where we make ourselves believe that. And I think... That is much closer to the truth and much more dangerous. I mean, blatant hypocrisy, that person's probably going to get found out at some point, and he's very aware of his hypocrisy and has a chance to be faced with it. But for the rest of us, we just keep up the guise, and in some ways, we are ignorant, truly, to the amount of issues we have because we don't have the courage to really deal with it. So here's the deal. If you think of the log and the speck, now I'm ignorant to the fact of how much kind of I have this log in my face, but it's not just like a two by four. It's like a telephone pole in your eye. You got a telephone pole hanging out your eye hole, you're aware, okay, something ain't right. And I think that's all of us. Yes, we want to be ignorant and make ourselves feel good, but in the end, we know something is off. Something's not right in here. I heard another pastor talk about this one story that I think is very insightful to bring out this idea because yes, we're all hypocrites. We're ignorant hypocrites, but we are willfully ignorant. Albert Schneider, he was a German mayor. And so he, at the end of World War II, was the mayor of this town when the troops came through in the end and kind of freed the death camps. And at the end of the war, this mayor... Like most townspeople in Germany had a very similar reaction. They said, we had no idea. We had no idea this was going on. So the mayor of this town, there was a death camp in his town, was shocked to find out. And then he would, when he finally had to go to that camp and see the bodies, was shocked. And I think he was genuinely shocked. 
And so coming after that, the soldier said, you need to go get 25 more diplomats and you're going to make them see what was happening in this town. So Mayor Schneider doesn't show up the next day. He took his own life when he was faced with the reality of what was happening. And that tells us a couple of things. One, he genuinely was shocked and didn't know all that was going on. Or else why would he have done that? But two, if he was completely innocent, if he had no idea, then he would have been innocent. Why would he have felt guilty to take his own life? He was even quoted as saying, yeah, of course we heard rumors, but we chose not to believe them. I think all of us are like this mayor. Yes, you don't, I'm, I'm telling you, you're not aware of the depths of your sin, but you're aware something isn't right, that you are not the person that God has told you to be, but yet we don't have the courage to face that harsh reality, so we allow ourselves to continue in ignorance, to continue in our hypocrisy. That word, actually, I think, is even more insightful for what we do. The word hypocrisy is actually the word for a profession. Any guesses of what that word, it, it's an actual profession. So for all you said lawyer, that's messed up. It's not lawyer. You need to repent, apologize to the next lawyer to see. It's actually an actor. So the word hypocrite is the same word that they use for an actor. What is an actor? It's someone who plays a character that isn't them and tries to get the crowd to like that character. I think now hypocrisy is starting to sound more familiar. You know, actors in this time, you know how they did that? You've probably seen this somewhere along the way. The symbol for acting. You know why it's two masks like that? Because the first actor literally wore a mask to play a character. Maybe you've heard, you know, the term, you know, you're a thespian. That comes from the very first actor that we know of in the Western world was Thespis. And what did he do? He stepped out on the stage and would wear a mask to play a character. And that's where we get our word for hypocrite. Somebody who hides behind a mask and holds a mask up and gets you to like this character that they're created that isn't really them. Now tell me hypocrisy isn't starting to sound a little bit familiar. All of us need to feel accepted. All of us need to be accepted and loved by the people around us, but we, some more willful, some more ignorant, are aware that in some ways there's an ugliness to us. And if I show you truly who I am, I'm afraid you won't accept me. So what do I do? I act, I wear a mask, and I present this picture of me that I think you'll like. I think all of us are guilty of this. We're hypocrites. We wear these masks. Put the, it's like dating, right? When you just put your best foot forward, you hide all your weaknesses, you put this picture of yourself out there hoping that person will accept that picture of you that isn't really you. We're acting. We're hypocrites. And thank you, Mark Zuckerberg, who gave us the gift to make hypocrisy easier than ever. I mean, this has been the strategy from the dawn of time. What happened when sin entered the world? The second Adam and Eve sinned, they realized their ugliness, they realized their shame. What's the first thing they do? They cover up. And we've been doing the same thing ever since. We see our ugliness, and so we try to cover up, and we try to hide and put this picture of ourselves out there. 
And thank goodness for social media, I mean, basically hands everybody a mask. Hey, paint away. Put it on the internet. People believe anything on the internet. Just put it out there. It's awesome. Now, I know there's good uses of social media, but you can't look me in the eye and tell me that hypocrisy isn't rampant. We put this beautiful picture of ourselves out there and try to literally get people to, to click like and tell us that they like this version of ourselves. Is that really us? Is that really a true picture of who we are or are we being hypocrites and hiding behind that mask at times? I've seen a lot of different posts. You know what posts I haven't seen? Man, I'm extremely insecure and I'm desperate for attention. Any attention will do. Is that never true? Man, I'm quite vindictive kind of person. Don't cross me. And here's what I had for lunch. Why? Why have you never seen that post? Man, I'm really feeling, I'm, I'm really lusting right now. If somebody could post some racy pictures, I'd like to see them. You're telling me that's never happened. But why have you never seen that post? Because we're all acting and we're hypocrites. And we want to put this beautiful picture of ourselves out there. I'm not saying it's all a lie, but it's not really us. God's saying that is who we are. We're all acting, trying to get people to like this character that we're portraying. And actually, as you dive into it, the picture is even worse than we imagined. So think of the log and the speck. You know, the speck and the log, the log in my own eye. But why do we do this? I mean, understanding how bad my issues are, but yet I obsess about your issues. The first I read that, I almost took it as just kind of hypothetical. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye but do not notice the log in your own eye? That's not a rhetorical yes or no. So I want you to deal with that question for a second. Why do you do that? Why do you spend so much time worrying about other people's issues when the plain fact of the matter is you got plenty of issues yourself that you need to worry about before you start worrying about other people's issues? Why do we do that? Why do, whenever I get, you know, in an argument with somebody, if I'm in, you know, have an issue with my spouse, why do I spend so much of my time worrying about what my spouse is doing wrong and pointing that out to them and judging them for their issues? Why? Why in, you know, all your conflict with your family, you spend so much time condemning them and telling them where they're wrong? Why? I mean, I think the answer is a little easier than we want to make it out to be. Because the more I can blame you for, my, for the issues in my life, the more I can keep up the mask that I'm this good guy. I mean, this is the original sleight of hand. Yes, we have issues, but if I can prove to everybody that's your issues, I can still hold up that I'm the good guy here. And the more I can get people looking at your issues and focusing on the things you're doing wrong, the less chance you have and everybody else has to see behind my mask and see my issues. The more people I can knock down and judge, that's one more person that I could stand on to make myself look better. Why do we do that? It's pretty simple. I hide behind a mask and I get people to focus on your issues because I'm afraid if that mask comes down and you see me, you won't like it. And you won't accept me as I really am so I can't be honest about all 
of my issues. To have a true view of self, to understand our issues, it's even worse than we think. Jesus carries on as we begin to have a proper view of ourself. Follow along in this passage. For no good tree bears bad fruit, nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit. For each tree is known by its own fruit. For figs are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor are grapes picked from a bramble bush. The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good. And the evil person out of his evil treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. So as we look at the issues in our life, what does Jesus teach us of how to see ourselves here? It's not that I just mess up sometimes. It's that I messed up in here. Jesus says it's a heart issue. So you think the log in the speck. So even if you're still ignorant of it, on some level, the issues in your life are bigger than you think. And you know what he elaborates on that passage? They're deeper than you think. The issues you have run into your heart. Those, that tree you have hanging out of your head, those roots go down into your heart. So you can't hide behind, I'm sorry I did that. You know, that just wasn't me. Anybody ever heard something like that before? I don't know why they did that. That just wasn't me. Nobody else heard that? Put your hands up. I'm self-conscious. We all do that. When finally somebody gets a sniff, you finally get a picture and you watch me rail on my kids. What do I hide behind? Oh, that just wasn't me. I don't know who that was. That ain't what Jesus said. If you hear somebody hiding behind that, you can call BS. We are a Christian. Just call B. Don't call BS. That's, that's not what we do, you know. You can call bull on that. Because, listen, if it came out of you, it was in you. Now, I'd like, I, I can hide behind my mask and whenever something spills out of me, and he says that, you know, out of the overflow of your heart, I can hide behind, oh, that just wasn't me. But again, that's just me trying to stay in my judgmental position, trying to make myself feel good and put other people down. But the plain fact of the matter is, it is in there. So true view of self is my issues are bigger than not even just you realize. They're bigger than I realize, and they're deeper than I realize. I mean, that is a true view of self. And here's the deal. If you have a proper view of self, there is no way you're going to be a judgmental person. I mean, think about it. It talks about how I see my issues compared to your issues. It talks about a splinter and compares it to a telephone pole. I did the math. You know how many splinters are in a telephone pole? A million. If I'm to the point where every person I'm with, whether it be my spouse, my neighbor, my coworker, any random person, if I'm sitting with that person and I see myself as a million times more messed up than you, I ain't judging you. That doesn't mean you don't have problems, but that doesn't, there's no way, where do I get off to judge anybody else when I realize how messed up I am? That's why I love, and I'm excited for our AA group starting up. I think AA generally does this well. I mean, we all deal with hypocrisy and hiding behind masks. I think oftentimes for addicts or, you know, in recovery, it's hard to hide behind a mask. You know, you get so wasted, that mask just falls off. Like, ah, yeah. You know, I ain't judging you. I just stole from my grandma to use, so I ain't judging nobody in here. 
What if we were like that? But us good people, we don't struggle. We're, we have the same issues that surface different. You're no better than them, and yet where do you get off judging anybody? If I have a proper view of self, look, I got so many issues, I ain't got time to worry about your issues. If I really see myself in light of who I am, poor, powerless, busted sinner, I'm not judging anybody. I'm not saying you don't speak truth at some point, but it will not come across as judgmental. I promise you that. If you had a proper view of self, you wouldn't judge. If you had a proper view of self, you would never be defensive either. Because if this is true, if you like truly grasp who you are, every criticism you give towards me is actually a compliment to who I truly am. So try this on for size. Next time somebody criticizes you, just embrace that criticism and thank them because that's actually a step forward from reality. Yet we get so defensive when somebody criticizes us. <laughs> Why? How? Somebody criticized me. Oh, you, you're so talkative. You talk too much. I should say thank you. Yeah, let's go with that. Do you know what the truth is? I'm an egomaniac, and I don't care about you, so I don't want to listen. I just want to talk and talk so you like me. That's the truth. Let's go with the talkative thing, because that sounds way better. People, I can be criticized. You know, I don't make, you know, sometimes I can be indecisive. And should I get defensive that, oh, you're so indecisive? I should thank them. You know what the truth is? I'm not indecisive. I'm a coward. I'm a coward and I'm afraid to lead. I need to be right so I'm better than you so I can feel better about myself. Yeah, let's go with the indecisive thing. That sounds way better. How do we get defensive when we have a true view of self? Oh, you're a worrier. You're not a worrier. The truth is, you know, I struggle with idolatry. I'm worldly. So yeah, thank you. I'm a worrier. Let's go with that. Why do we get defensive when we understand who we truly are? You struggle with control. You don't struggle with control. You kick God off the throne of your life and you want to control it because you think you're better than God. That's the truth. The true view of ourselves is, look, my issues are bigger, not than just that you know. They're bigger than what I even know. And they're deeper than I realize. I think if we grasp that, this will be one of the most non-judgmental places around so the way i can see it you have two options but with each option i want to give you a caution so option one you can continue acting you can continue in your hypocrisy continue trying to make this world feel like you're a good person and you could keep kind of painting the mask and hiding behind the mask and making excuses when a little part of you comes out you can do that but don't tell me you're not tired of that. Trying to present this picture of you that you know isn't you just to be accepted by people. So let me give you two cautions with that. One, if you do that, you will get doubtfired. And yes, I mean Mrs. Doubtfire. Remember the movie, Mrs. Doubtfire? Classic, right? I was gonna show the clip. You know, there's just so many scenes in movies where like the bad guy's mask falls off and they found out. The only thing I could think of was Miss Doubtfire, but that like sets the wrong tone. So I'm not gonna show that. But you know what I'm talking about. You've a Geneva doubtfire here at your service. You remember that? What happens at the end of Mrs. Doubtfire? The guy's choking, and then he runs across like, on the way! And, you know, he runs. It's like the old man, but he's actually, like, in the big, you know, woman, old lady suit. 
And then after the Heimlich, his mask falls off and you find out it's all been a lie. I promise you, you can keep it up with the show that I'm a good person, nobody's perfect, and trying to get everybody to like that. But you will get found out, Jesus said as much, for out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. It's gonna spew out of you. And you can keep pretending, but the last caution I'm gonna give you with that is I promise you, the more you keep up that hypocrisy, the less you will ever experience love in your life. You can only be loved to the extent that you're known. So if you only put this view of yourself out there, you're not letting people love the real you. If you can get a bunch of people to like your online profile, you know what they're not liking? You. If I get people to love this character that I've created that isn't really me, guess what they're not loving? Me. So I would encourage you, and we all have this temptation to stop with the hypocrisy of I'm a good person and trying to get people to like this character I created. So you can go the Mrs. Doubtfire route, but, you know, it doesn't end well. You've seen the movie. Or you can go the Ice Cube route, and you could check yourself before you wreck yourself. Anybody who bet I wasn't going to quote Tupac and Ice Cube in one's term, you'd have lost that bet. I just... You can check yourself before you wreck yourself. That's wisdom right there. But here's the deal. You can stop with the judging and trying to fool people that you have it all together and stay behind the mask, or you can look in the mirror. You have the choice of taking that mask that the world gave you and putting that mask down and looking in a biblical mirror and dealing with the reality. The reality, it's a bit brutal, and it is loving, so let me give you a caution with that. I would not encourage you to do that, to pull down your mask until you have first done that with Christ and met him. Because what I'm telling you, again, you can go to somebody who tells you what you want to hear, but the truth is, I am messed up to the point where it is unbearable. I am unaccepted. I am unacceptable. And if I show you the real me, you wouldn't accept it. So I wouldn't encourage you to do that until you've experienced Christ and first done that with him. To lay yourself bare, you shouldn't do that until you've met the one who was stripped bare on your behalf. If I'm saying, look at me in all my sin, I would never do that until I've met the one who has paid for all of my sin. I mean, it is unbearable until, listen, the reason we all are hypocrites and act, it's because I need to feel accepted. And I can't show you who I really am because you wouldn't accept me. But if I meet Jesus first, who loves me and accepts all of me, that is the only way that it would become bearable to show you who I truly am. Listen to me. As you're desperately trying to get this character, get the world to love this character you've created, Jesus loves the real you. Not the you you show everybody and present to be, that ugly side of you that your spouse doesn't even know about, that even you don't know about. 
God loves that ugly version of you that's hiding behind the mask right now. Jesus says, I love that version of you. In fact, I died for that version. And if you would come to me, I would forgive you of all of that ugliness and make you new. The issue is, I have wickedness in my heart. The picture of the gospel that the Bible gives us is this, I will remove that heart and give you a new heart, the heart of Christ. So how can I finally begin to step out of my hypocrisy, to finally have the courage to tell all of you who I really am? It's after I've had perfect acceptance in Christ. After he's given me a new heart, I can show you how messed up I am slash was, but all you would see is a scar from where Jesus gave me a new heart. Would we be those kind of people that are honest about who we are? We would never dare to judge anybody else. And it doesn't mean you don't speak truth to a brother in Christ at some point. The church, we get it so backwards. We judge the world and then pat each other on the back. The Bible says don't do that. Don't judge people outside of the church. But let's call each other into truth. And if I have a proper view of self, and I see my issues a million times worse than yours. If I ever have to speak truth in your life, it won't come across as condemning or critical. It'll spew of nothing but compassion. We're all afraid to judge somebody and say, how dare you, you judge me? Where do you get off? Who are you? The answer is clear. I'm nobody. I'm just as messed up as you are. I'm no better. I just want to point you to Jesus. Would we be that kind of people? you bow your heads and pray with me? Father, I ask that your spirit would give us courage this morning. That's because it is not easy to admit, God, that we are hypocrites. God, we're all hiding, desperately trying to get people to like us. We're judging other people, trying to condemn others just to get the focus off ourselves. Because, God, even though, God, we try to stay ignorant to it at times, that we don't have the courage to look in the mirror and realize our own ugliness. But, God, would you give us that courage right now, God, to remind us that you love that ugly version of me, that you're the only one that could truly love all of me, because only you know all of my issues. Help us to be honest about that to bring all those issues to you, that you would give us a new heart and we would be free from these masks and move forward in freedom in Jesus' name. Amen.